Bawon? Ya, siap. This uh, this period of time, uh, about eight, nine, ten years ago, maybe even less than that, in a meeting uh, of the Shanabet Rabbeim, we had discussed that how to bring the Shanabet together. So I'm very proud that uh, I had suggested that uh, we have a Sichas Moser uh, during this period of time, and it's one of the the highlights for us of the week. And uh, a few years ago. I think it was Reveron's idea. Reveron suggested that uh, we think of particular themes uh, that we focus on. And what Reveron Shlita suggested was to focus on Shalom Bayis. <clears throat> so when I had this idea in mind, I thought that it would start 11.30 promptly and that uh, it wouldn't compromise the second of Shear. Um, and, it would st- and it would end latest at 12. And Shear generally starts for us at uh, 12 o'clock. It's going to go a little bit past uh, 12 o'clock, uh, this, this talk, um, and that's Amaymar Chazal. Chazal say that Laman uh, Shalom, we're Mochek Es Hashem, we even, the Gemara in Sota tells us that we erase the shame of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Rabosai, this is no less, this is no less than that. What we are discussing right now is at the core of the Shalom Bayis of Klal Yisrael, you'll hear from other Rabbeim as well, and it's Kodshei Kadoshim. This time is Kodshei Kadoshim, and for that, Yomochek Es Hashem. Unfortunately, someone asked me to arbitrate in a terrible machlokis, and I was leaning over the Taz in the afternoon that I was learning with the Kolo fellows, and I entirely misunderstood the Taz from the beginning to the end, because my mind was trying to make Shalom, and I felt I was Nakayim. One of the Talmudim, one of the Avrechim came over to me and I said the Taz backwards, the whole thing backwards. I said, oh, Baruch Hashem, Kiyamti the mitzvah, Matikas Hashem, uh, for Leman, Leman HaShalom. So that's what we're going to do today. Today we're going to, uh, to take a little bit of time from learning, which is, which is the second most Kotshe Kadoshim, to talk about the importance of, uh, Shalom Bayes. So I'm going to do with you today, I think I'm the first one, is I'm going to discuss with you seven, take out your pens and papers, it might, it might be helpful to jot down things, seven things uh, that are critical in terms of things to, points to ponder about, about Shalom Bayes. <clears throat> the first two are really what's going to frame a lot of uh, what I'm going to say. In other words, the first two, if you will, are the aviavos, and then there's going to be another Another five that are uh, going to flow. Zot de'ele gezoya. Zoyar embraces, says the following. HaKadosh Baruch Hu vayivra Adam, he created man. The Zoyar HaKadosh says that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created man, he created two neshamas which are one. And that is that he created man and woman, which are really... Two parts, as Rebetzin Abramov says, she's a very important mashpia in the world of Shalom Bayes and Hilchos Nida. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created two parts of one whole. And my wife and I were separated. We were separated when HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us. And our tafkid is to reconnect. And that is the essence of what Shalom Bayes is from the perspective of basic Yisodos of Kabbalah is this idea that husband and wife are reconnecting to something that had separated them from the beginning. So how do we go about uh, this, this phenomenon? Rav Ron Shlita said a Balamor, 
many years ago, 11.30, Sunday afternoon, was the first time I had ever heard this Balamar, and it deeply affected my life. Uh, Rav Ron quoted the Balamar's Hakdama to Shas, that the Balamar describes that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us with Kavod. Kavod is the dignity of an individual. Here in Yeshiva, we often speak about bad Kavod and Redifas HaKavod, and that's something that's very true, and all those things need to be uh, uh, addressed as well. But at its core, writes the Balamar, what that has to do with Hakdam of Shas Ayin Sham, take a look at the Balamar, it's a beautiful Balamar. The Balamar says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us with a deep dignity, with a deep Kavod. And I would argue that one of the most important parts, it's probably the Av, of Shalom Bayis, the most important component of Shalom Bayis, is what I would describe as Hakaras Kvoda, recognizing the Kavod, the dignity of one's wife. And therefore, the most important part and the tenet of everything that we're going to discuss afterwards is Hakaras Kvoda, deeply understanding and internalizing the deep human respect that one has to have for one's wife. Now, what do I mean? What I mean, first of all, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu has entrusted you through the bris nesuin, to pardon the term that I'm using, to love and to cherish, and that is, at its core, it's not just these empty English words, to love and cherish, but it's what the Balamar describes, the deep kavo, the d- human dignity that your wife has, that you have a responsibility to bring together with your neshama, that is... That is your avoda in the philosophical um, realm. Practically, what that means is the following. The most important part of shalom bias is not compatibility. There's a couple that I know quite well who are not compatible for each other. And they've had a beautiful marriage for over 40 years. And the reason for that is because the husband's a tzaddik and the wife is a tzaddikist. And if for whatever reason you've internalized some point along the way that there are things that are you and your wife are incompatible about, everybody is going to counter that. Some more and some less. But at the end of the day, if there's a recognition that there is a special person that Kaddish Baruch Hu set you up with, then you have a responsibility to do everything you can to have that deep respect for her covenant. Very practically, going from that halacha general rule to very, very practical terms. When a husband in the morning, if his wife does the laundry, if, if, she, if he does the laundry, that's even better. But if his wife does the laundry, when he opens his drawer and he takes out the socks from his drawer, has he thought about how the socks got there, those clean socks got there? I want to zero in on this point, Rabbosai. Your wife, Amir Hashem, is going to have dreams and ambitions. If you have a healthy marriage, all of those dreams and ambitions will be secondary to building a special home together. And that means that if you don't have a maid in the house, that when she cleans the house, you have two ways that you could relate to her, or that she could feel. One is, she could feel like that she's a cleaning lady. 
or the other is that she could feel that she's building a special home with you. And the litmus test, the line between the two, is hakaras kvoda. And I'll be even sharper. She could view herself as someone who washes the toilets, or someone who is building a mishka ma'at. She could view herself, chas if her husband treats her as a prostitute, or she could view herself as someone who she's building a special home with children together with their husband. And that all depends on Akaras Kvoda. Rav Nemun Shlita said in this room to the Avreichim, he said, he quoted the Apostle, HaKadosh Baruch who remembers the time that when we were young. He gave Musr to the Kolo guys. He said, so many of you here are big Talmidei Chachamim. And now you have very important positions in the world of Torah, etc., he said, remember that when you got married, where you were, like Rav said, I remember you were in my shir. I remember where you were once upon a time. And it's because your wife gave everything for you. And it doesn't matter what she is in her profession. We had a Talmud whose wife, whose mother is one of the most prominent doctors in America. And he said to me, Rebbe, when my mother comes home, all she wants to be is a simple mother and wife. Deep down, every woman has that. And it's our responsibility to realize that there was such Mesiris Nefesh that put those socks into the drawer. So that's number one. Hakaras Kvoda. Number two. Tenet number two. This one you've all heard of from Jim Gray. And that is men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Rav Ginsberg Shlita points out that the byline in the book explains why Gray's been divorced more than once, even though the book is extremely, extremely profound, and even though others have suggested other books written by Jewish Orthodox authors, I haven't found a book, Shemidaber Inyan that gets to the point as well as Gray's book. Unfortunately, though, Gray's byline is how to get the most out of your marriage. That was his problem. Even though his observations are so beautiful, but the byline of the book is, how can you get the most out of your marriage? Even if you're aware of all these things, of men are from Mars, women are from Venus, but at the end of the day, it's not about navigating how I can get what I want out of the marriage, but a fuch. The opposite is true. How can my wife and I, through these challenges of men are from Mars, women are from Venus, build a very special, special home? And that means the challenges of men are from Mars, women are from Venus, is at the end of the day, we have to think of a way in which we empathize with the processing, particularly as we're going to see emotional processing, it takes place on Venus. I have a case once when my Talmudim in the Grus Kolo described to me that he came home, his wife had a challenge that day, the babysitter came late, and because the babysitter came late, so she got late to work, and she was describing to her that her day was terrible and his day was awful. He was looking forward to a nice, quiet evening together. And she was just uh, a mess. So she's, uh, she's talking to him. And he realized that the whole problem started because the babysitter came late. So he gets up. And he starts, as she's describing to him, he gets up to get his phone to start dialing the babysitter. Maybe give her a bonus if she comes 10 minutes early. He's trying to think of a way to solve the problem. He starts dialing the number. And he looks up and his wife's crying. What happened? 
his wife wasn't interested at that time that him for him to solve the problem. On Mars, what we do is when there's a problem, we put on our fix-it hat and we fix it. In Venus, for some reason, I can't understand it, they're not interested in fixing it. They want to talk about it. And this is one of the things that Gray outlines very, very beautifully. And that's something that we have to understand. And, and the reason why I say that these things are connected to each other, because hakaras kvodah means that if that's important for my neshama, if that's what my neshama's nourishment needs, if she needs to hear those things, and to say those things, and for me to listen to her, it's not my responsibility necessary to fix it. A lot of times it's about being that emotional address. So Rabosai, it's a, I can't describe it entirely in all of its detail to 19 and 20 year olds. You're going to have to revisit it as you uh, get older. But at the end of the day, keep this in mind, that there are many times that your wife is going to want to have an emotional address and not necessarily fix the problem. This comes out in one of the most confusing phenomenon that, uh, that I encounter, and that is that, and I think many other men encounter, that many women, most women, really, really appreciate small gifts. By the way, the irony is, you know, when you want to buy a man a gift, so, you know, for a guy who likes building, so you buy him a drill. A guy who likes learning, you buy him a safer. That's great. When someone buys me a gift, something that's, that's something I needed. For women, anything that's useful, they're not interested in it at all. Not at all. In fact, the better the gift is, that the le- less useful it is, the better the gift. And the proof is, what do they want when they get engaged? They want a rock. Doesn't make any sense. What, doesn't make any sense. But the point is, leaving aside the diamond ring, which is a separate phenomenon that doesn't make any sense by itself, the point is that often what a woman wants is not necessarily something that's purposeful, but something that recognizes how special she is. So if you were asking me what type of gift to get for me, so if every time you're going to buy me a $10 safer, I would say I'm waiting for a new Shulchan Aruch. You know, store up the money, and don't get me a $10 gift every time. When, you're, when you amass the money, get the Shulchan Aruch. For her, it's the exact opposite. She'd prefer much more a small gift that recognizes, again, it can't have any purpose, that, that a gift that, that, uh, that you, is clear that you're showing that you really, really care. I, I went through this, and I made a big mistake. I, my, uh, I was really happy for my wife that she, at a young age, she became an adjunct professor in Stern College. In many ways, in terms of having appreciation for one's spouse, for me, I came to Eretz Yisrael, and uh, with a job, my wife was most nefesh a lot to come to Eretz Yisrael. She had a dream job, especially for a woman in Stern College. We were living in Washington Heights. It was absolutely fantastic. And I was really happy for it. A, a, a young woman, she, she already became uh, a professor. So I went out and I, did, I got her a professor thing. I got her this beautiful black briefcase and I brought it home and I gave it to her and she said, what's this? So I said, it's, you know, you're teaching in, uh, in college now. I th- thought that you should have, uh, should have this briefcase. She says to me, Chaim, what's wrong with my pocketbook? I said, nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with your pocketbook. I said, I said, well, don't you have a book? She says, yeah, I hold the book in my hand. What do I, what do I need this for? What happened was, what happened, what happened was, 
was that I was seeing it from her pers- uh, from my perspective. I was seeing it from the Mars perspective. From a Mars perspective, a nice briefcase would be very nice. I wasn't seeing it from her perspective. In fact, you know what happened? Eventually, the, the briefcase sat in the closet for about five years, and I eventually took it for myself. That's. Uh, <laughs> But that's the that's the that's the challenge of being able to be able to think from a, a different perspective and to be able to recognize. Number three, communication. Cloud number three is communication. We mentioned that Hakar's Kvoda is even more important than communication, but communication is is probably the most important practical uh, thing that relates after the rule of women are from Venus. Svasemes says that the word nishba means lekayin. Words create realities. And that means the words that we say to each other become a real existence, as the Svasemes describes. We create, we create emotional environments. We create a new metzius. Rabbeinu Bechai says that's the meaning of the word baruch. Baruch Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu needs our bracha? The answer is, Baruch is that we're bringing down bracha to the world when we say Baruch Hashem. We're creating a reality of bracha. We're realizing how much bracha is around us. And oy vavoy the opposite. The Gemara in Gittin on Dav Samach, Dav Zayin Amenal says, Amr of Yehuda Amarav, Kol Amatil Eima Yisera B'Sayich Beisai, Boli De Gimel Averos Chamuros. If a person creates a negative environment, then not only is that a living Gehenim emotionally, but ultimately that undermines any Ruchnius that exists in the house. And therefore now, my dear Bachrim, my dear Talmidim, start now learning how to speak in a positive way. And if there's a negative word to say, slowly, slowly work on holding yourself back. Because this is a lifelong avoda, and this can make or break a marriage. There's something deeper. Not only Dibur, in terms of a person having a Ayin Tov that Rev. Natan described before, but also in terms of how you listen. Communication is not only about speaking, but actually you communicate more through listening as opposed to through speaking. It's a maral. The maral in Avos writes, my brain is not working now, your brain is working now. My brain worked when I wrote down the notes. My brain is not operating now, says the maral. Maral says that when someone speaks, they're not thinking. A person really communicates in a healthy way when they're listening. Rosie O'Donnell said very, very well, listening is what you do when you're waiting for your turn to speak. That's Rosie O'Donnell's perspective. Listening is something you do when you wait for someone else to speak. Maral says, it's the exact opposite. When I was in Colombia, they encouraged us to watch the therapy session of Carl Rogers. Carl Rogers speaks about unconditional positive regard. And what that means in very, very practical therapeutic terms is that 
Rogers would make thousands and thousands of dollars of doing the following, part of my term, the following shtick. What Rogers would do is, he would simply listen to, in a very brilliant way, simply listen to the client and say back to them what they had said, in other words, showing that he heard how and what they were feeling. That's one of the yisoda yisodos of therapy. And people, when they feel that someone is listening to them and understanding them, then they feel that they've communicated. If your wife doesn't feel that you really heard what she said, then chas v'chalila, there's so much that could be missing in the relationship. So communication has two parts to it. One is the ayin tova and a dibor that creates a positive environment. And the other is chas v'chalila, that's all part of one. And number two is the koach being able to truly, truly listen. Number four, sensitivity. Not only in communication to be sensitive, but to practically be sensitive to the fact that there are certain things that are important to your wife, which aren't necessarily going to be important to you. You know, I mentioned to Talmudim in the past that uh, bride... That bride magazine did a study, and the average bride takes 150 hours preparing for her wedding, and the average groom spends 150 hours saying, it sounds good. But in that yisod is a very, very powerful challenge. And that challenge is that if it's important to your wife, then it's something that by definition has to be important to you. And therefore... If your wife, if you're remodeling the kitchen, and your wife is deciding between these two colors, and she's struggling, and she wants your opinion, you put everything down, and you give her your full attention. If you said to your wife three times when she's asked you if she looks good in the dress, and you said already three times that she looks good in it, so then she asks you the fourth time, you give her the full attention, and you say that she looks good in it, and next time. You tell her before she asks, because clearly that's something that's important to her. I remember that uh, Talmudim sometimes didn't understand when we, they used to get engaged in YU. They were talking about where to live. And uh, the, girl, the girl was saying, like, I'm not sure if I want to live in the Heights. She says, I'm not sure if it's uh, safe. And the guy says, uh, what are you talking about? It's very safe. There's... Uh, there's a, a guard who wears a blue shirt and has a walkie-talkie. That's uh, really, really, that's really, really safe. Willie knows what I'm talking about. And but the 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 girls the the for a girl that's really really hard. Now for us guys who spent ten years in the heights, we know that it's really safe, or we delude ourselves that it's uh, that it's really that's really safe. At the at the end of the day, it's important to realize that a place that we feel secure doesn't necessarily mean that's a place that our wife will feel secure. And therefore, there has to be a tremendous sensitivity, even if you think that they're missing the point, that Washington Heights is one of the safest places in the world. Even if you feel that way, at the end of the day, if she feels intimidated when she sees those drug-laced oranges that they sell when you get off the FDR, so at the, at the, at the, at the end of the day, then you have to have those... You have to have that sensitivity. The same thing applies in terms of same thing applies in terms of of in laws. You know, I love to say the story that in that in Panovich they um, there was once a din Torah. The din Torah, of course, is a follow up of the din Torah, the famous Torah of Shlomo Amela. 
Shlomo Melech uh, was once brought in Torah. Two women, each one of them said that they that they, the, there was a baby that was born and it was theirs. So Shlomo Melech said, cut the baby in half. And and uh, one of them said, absolutely. And the other one said, no, don't cut the baby in half. Give it to the other one. So Shlomo Melech turned to the one who said, give it to the other one and said, you're the mother. So he said, one time there was a good boy and she was engaged. And there were two mother-in-laws who each one of them said that the boy had been engaged to the daughter. So the Rav Panovich said, you know what, let's cut the cut the, the boy in half. So one said, absolutely. The other one said, no, no, no. He said, you give it to the other. So he turned to one and said, absolutely. He said, you're the mother-in-law. <laughs> there's, there's a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous challenge in dealing with in-laws, a tremendous challenge in dealing with in-laws. And that challenge that exists is one in which we require to have a certain sensitivity. Rabina said beautifully in one Shabbaton, he said, he said, at the end of the day, he said, you go into the shower, you turn it on, and you scream, but you don't say anything to your wife. And that, the reason for that is the following. It's all connected to the sensitivity of, wait a second, this is your wife's parents. First of all, hakaras hatov, hakaras hakavod, your special wife is here in the world because of them, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If a person just spends a little bit of time thinking about that, then how much easier would it be to hold back from saying things that uh, that could be hurtful? That was sensitivity. So, so far we've had, number one, Hakaris Koda. Number two, men are from Mars. Number three, communication. Number four, sensitivity. And a couple of examples that we had. Now, number five, halachic issues. When I got engaged, I think it's because my wife's uncle wanted to, to defend my wife, make sure that he was going to protect her. He said to me, Chaim, he was, he's a very special Oved Hashem Talmud Chacham. He said to me, Chaim, you should know that we have a Messiah from Ramesha Feinstein. And the Messiah, he was a Talmud of Ramesha. And he said that you should know that all Chumras that a person takes cannot be at the expense of their spouse. So we have a Masorah from Ramosha Feinstein that even when it comes to processing halacha, it could never, ever be, God forbid, at the expense of one's spouse. Now, first of all, in general, every Chumrah could often be a Kula. Chumras themselves are a double-edged sword, Vamevin Yavin. But on a much deeper level, on a much deeper level, there's something very, very profound about this idea. And that is, we just said, we started off, there's Mechikas Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name is erased. HaKadosh Baruch Hu's name is erased for Shalom Bayes. If there's a Shaila in terms, and that's the Pshan Ramesh. Now, Derek Agav, it just happens to be, I have a, a new addendum to this. Um, I learned some very interesting kulas when I did Shimush and Wayu Bayer of Willard Shlita. And when he was here, so he gave a shear to the, kol, the Gros Kolal in Hilchos Nida. So we were discussing it. And I told him this thing, this thing that uh, my wife's uncle had said for Ramosha. So he said, I also have the same Messiah from Ramosha. Because Rabbi Willig said that he once went to Ramosha Feinstein for a uh, Shaila in Hilchas Nida. He said it was the only time that he spoke to Ramosha. It's well known in uh, the YU world that Rabbi Willig has a few real classic and con- classic slash controversial kulas in Hilchas Nida. And he said he went and he asked Ramosha Shaila. And Ramosha said, follow the lenient opinion. Don't worry about the fact that there are machmirim, especially when it comes to Ilchos Nida. And then Rabbi Ram Willig said it to me in the following way. He said, every Chumrah in Hilchas Nida, 
he said from his father, is a kula in Shalom Bayis. Now, why am I talking about Hilchos Nida? Some of you don't know anything about Hilchos Nida. You're not supposed to know anything about Hilchos Nida now. What, what I'm trying to bring out is, number one, that at the end of the day, kulas and chumras are something that require a tremendous sensitivity and a tremendous, uh, a tremendous amount of hadracha, A, and B is in Mirza Hashem, when you're going to get married, you're going to learn something that's absolutely beautiful. And that is the concept of Taras HaMishpacha. Taras HaMishpacha is the yisod, is the foundation of our homes. And when it comes to Taras HaMishpacha, it's important that both of you be on the same page. And therefore, number one is to realize, as Rabbi Willick said, that chumras that are expensive, your wife, is something that's very, very dangerous. That's Aleph. Bayes, the other result, uh, lesson of that, is that it's important for you to spend time, when you get engaged, to think about who you're going to speak to, both in terms of the Shilas and Hilchos Nida, and to make sure that you get appropriate Hadracha from the right sources when it comes to uh, Hilchos, Hilchos Nida. My wife's college teacher was Rebetzin Shmuelevitz. Rebetzin Shmuelevitz said something extremely, extremely powerful, and she, she basically said it, my wife told me the first time she went to her for Hadracha to learn the halachas of Kala, she said, Rebetzin Shmuelevitz spent 45 minutes saying the same thing for 45 minutes in different ways, and that is the most important thing to do is to ask. Never be afraid to ask a shayla. Never be afraid to ask, because a lot of times couples are machmir when they should be makel, and every once in a while, this is not as common, couples will be makel where they should be machmir, and when it comes to nida, it's a shayla of an iser, of an iser kares. And that is something that doesn't only apply to pure halacha, but it applies to all parts of the Shulchan Aruch, not only the four Chalkei Shulchan Aruch, but even the fifth Chalik of Shulchan Aruch. The fifth Chalik of Shulchan Aruch is what we refer to when we refer to a judgment call that isn't, or a lifestyle issue, that doesn't apply to Shulchan Aruch per se. And that is the most important thing for Talmidim to do. If there's one thing, following in the Derech of Rebetz and Shmuel Levitz, if there's one message I would want you to take away, it's not men are from Mars and women are from Venus, and that is... Don't be afraid to ask for hadracha. I had a student that was that is divorced. Baruch Hashem, I don't have many. Baruch Hashem. But I have a student who is divorced that really treated his wife badly in his first year because he didn't realize what he was doing. He had no idea how she was feeling and he wasn't reaching out and asking for hadracha. So that's something that's extremely important. Just like when it comes to Shailas before your Machmir, you have to ask a Rav. In the fifth Chalik of Shulchan Aruch as well, you have to reach out and ask uh, your, your Rabbeim. That's number five in terms of Halachic uh, issues. Number six, and this is very, very important, follows on the heels of Hilchos Nida. Inaccurate expectations. Inaccurate expectations. In the world of Hollywood, the way in which um, we see couples get married and then also divorced, and it happens not only this way in the movies, it happens this way in real life, is that there's a tremendous, tremendous amount of excitement. Couples go into to, uh, to a romance, and then 
Well, the movies end when they go off into the go off into the sunset, and it doesn't last very long. By us, it's the exact opposite. We say in Yiddish, "Punk You should know that for most young Jewish couples, Orthodox couples, the most challenging time is actually the beginning. Because there are so many adjustments that take place. And it doesn't make a difference of whether the couple date for three weeks or whether they date for a year. It's not going to make a difference. At the end of the day, there are so many adjustments that a couple needs to make. And this applies to intimacy, and it applies to so many other parts of life. And that means that the way in which we work which unfortunately has been influenced so much by secular society, is we come in initially with inaccurate expectations. Instead of taking the time to grow with each other, there's a certain expectation of what it's supposed to be, and God forbid, often there is tremendous amount of dis- disappointment. The woman you're going to marry, you mentioned from the Zohar, is the other part of your neshama. And therefore, there is a responsibility for us to give ourselves time to adjust to each other. And every marriage is going to be a very important adjustment. And that means that in your mind, there's often a different prototype of a different neshama. Which neshama? Which relationship? Your parents' relationship. And sometimes in your parents' home, it went one way. But the inaccurate expectation is not only the excitement and the glitter of the initial stages of marriage, but often there's an expectation that things are going to go one way, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't want you to marry that way. That was what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted you to experience up until the age 20, up until the age 25, whatever the age of marriage might be. And then the next stage is a totally different adjustment. It's a totally different metzius. It's a totally different entity because it's a different neshama than your mother's neshama. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted you to be exposed to your mother's neshama up until age 20, up until age 25. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted you to link with another neshama. So that's number six, inaccurate expectations. Finally, and I alluded to this in number five, when we discussed halachic issues, number seven is our responsibility to address the issues and not allow the issues to become dormant. I think in terms of practical advice, that's probably the most important piece of practical advice that we could give. And Rabosa, I want to give sharp Musser. It's not Musser against, about, towards any particular people. It's Musser about our culture in general. We go to weddings, particularly weddings in the United States, and there are, how much does it scream out? I don't know. How much does an average wedding uh, cost in the tri-state area today? How much? $50,000. Okay. $50,000. David, David, I don't know if I'm going to allow my daughter to marry you. I was expecting at least $100,000. Okay, so, so, let's go with 50, that's a good number, that's a good number, $50,000, okay, so I'm sitting, I'm, I'm at the wedding, and I'm looking, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at uh, all the flowers, and all, and this fantastic smorgasbord, and so on and so forth, 
fifth, it was a little bit mako, no? He was a little mako. Mask him? Okay. We have to start the negotiation again, David. All right. So, so whatever the number is, but 50,000 is great. It's a good number. How many therapy sessions is $50,000? That's a lot. Rabosai, every once in a while, every once in a while I think to myself, my goodness, if these parents would have spent $40,000 on the wedding and would have taken $10,000 and put those $10,000 away for emotional, spiritual health for the next 100 years, God willing, for their children, how much happier and how much better off would so many couples be? But the problem is that people really don't take this seriously. And what's more important is for them to look better in the eyes of their neighbors. You know how we started? We started with Pneumius Hatera. We started with the Pneumius of Neshama. And the problem is that we work and we live as Rabina describes, in an Alma de Shikra. And it doesn't matter if it's Israeli Haredi, American Haredi, Israeli modern Orthodox, American modern Orthodox, every single Tzibur is guilty of it. It's an Alma de Shikra. And asking for help isn't a weakness. Asking for help is not a weakness. Asking for help and putting money aside for emotional and spiritual health is a statement of strength. It's a statement of strength. You know, I bought my car. I hate cars. I hate drills. I, you know, that's why I mentioned Shulchan Aruch will make me much more happier than a, than a, than a drill. Well, I have no interest in, in mechanics. None. And uh, when I bought my car, there was this really cool Israeli that came in and he was looking my car up and down. He's looking it up and down. He says, man, you know, take good care of it. You got a good thing over there. And he starts giving me a whole list of things. I'm trying to keep track of all the things that he's telling me to do. Three, four years later, the car was in the garbage heap. I didn't change the oil. I didn't. You know why? Because my car is not important to me. I'm on the second one and it's also making noise in the back. I have no idea what's going on. But when it breaks, I somehow will have to. At the end of the day, I'm, and it doesn't make sense. But the answer is, I don't want to give that my necessary emotional time because I feel like there's something that's more important that I would like to do. Saying and putting away money for maintenance and saying that this is something that's really, really important for us is one of the most important things. Just like a car needs upkeep, I'm going to appeal to your business minds. Just like your car needs up. Keep Your marriage also needs tremendous upkeep as well. And at the end of the day, business-wise, you end up losing a lot more money if you don't give it the necessary upkeep. Rabosai, our priorities are a little bit out of whack. Our society's priorities are out of whack. And the way in which we perceive the world is sometimes out of whack as well. I daven ta'kadosh baruch hu. I daven ta'kadosh baruch hu that you internalize these seven things. Number one is that there's a unique neshama that you're going to link with. And if you give it the appropriate akaras kvoda, then there's so many challenges that might come up that you'll solve. Number two, 
is that men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And chas v'chalila, if you don't internalize the special mesiris nefesh that your wife has given through recognizing that sometimes things that take place in Venus are very different than things that happen in Mars, you'll save yourself from her perceiving herself as a piece of garbage. Chas v'chalila. Number three is communication. And that is communication in terms of creating a positive environment versus a happy one, a positive versus a negative one. And the other part of communication is the koach hashmi, is to be able to listen. Number four is sensitivity, is showing involvement and concern no matter what. Number five are the halachic issues, and being careful to really be able to link together Mesorah's HaTorah with our our Shalom bias. Number six is an accurate expectations. And number seven is the importance of us to realize how reaching out for help is not a weakness, but is actually a strength. And if we devote time and energy and money, and by the way, money I just used as a way of making fun of ourselves, but it's not the money that's the most important part. The most important part is the greatest gift of all that Kodesh Baruch Hu has given us, and that is our time and our energy. To devote our time and energy to create that bias that's going to be a Migdash Ma'at, and thereby have the Zuchus. To be Mamshech, the Mesorah HaKadosh that Kodesh Baruch Hu has given us, to plant Kedusha in our children and future donors. Oh, yes. I, um... Willie just asked me about Wednesday night, the Mirza Hashem. I had forgotten because of the Osek and Mechikas Hashem. So, uh, so, um, for in terms.